of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, we thank you that you are. Praise the Lord. God is so good this morning. I want you to know. Thank you, worship team. That's exciting. You know, it's exciting to be in the house of the Lord. We ought to be excited that God does all these things for us. We ought to be excited. And we're going to talk about expectation this morning. You ought to be expecting great things in the Lord. Amen. Great things in the Lord. God is so good. He is working on our behalf all the time. And he is setting in place for us those things that he has destined for us. And each one of us. And this morning, I just thank him so much. I thank him that I have a testimony. Thank you that we all, I want y'all to do that song again. My testimony. And I want you to think about the testimony that God has given you this morning. The testimony that each one of us have on the inside of you. You know, some, some of us went through a lot of stuff. Some of us didn't. But we still have a testimony. Everybody has a testimony. Amen? Everybody has a testimony. And what we do is we should be living that testimony out. We, we need to be living that testimony in each of our lives. Thanking God for what he did. For, I thank God so much for changing my life. And as we sing this song this morning, just get excited about him and about the testimony that he has given each one of us individually and corporately. And the testimony, you know, this song is talking about Jesus coming and rising back up, which gives us testimony. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Sitting full like lightning I saw darkness run for cover But the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven I believe in signs and wonders I have resurrection power sons and daughters bought with blood and washed in water sing the praises of the spirit son and father our God will finish what he started
get up and people would get up and give their testimony. I just want to tell you once I was lost and now I'm saved. Amen. Once I was wandering in sin, I was wandering in, you know, just wandering around, trying to figure out who I am and what I am and what am I going to be and Jesus came in my heart. How to live on almost nothing or with, or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it is a full stomach or empty with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's the key. Letting Christ be the one that gives you your strength. You pull your strength from Jesus Christ, from his word. The word is God, and the word was God, and he dwelt among us. And in the Passion, it says it like this. I'm not telling you this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be satisfied in any circumstance. Can you be satisfied in any circumstance? Think about that. I know what it means to lack, and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. Now, I'll ask you a question real quick. I'm going way off the beaten path, kind of. But what does training mean? You know, people say, I'm in training right now. People train to be in sports. People train um, to, to be whatever you're going to be. Doctors, lawyers, construction workers, whatever. You're in training. Paul said, I've been trained. I done done all this. I've been trained in it. I've been through the hard times, the good times, and all those times, and I'm trained in it. So I know what to do when those times come. Right? I know what to do. I know how to act. I know how to react or not react. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty, no matter what it is. So Paul's, you know, writing to the Philippians, and he's telling them, we're going to back up to the first chapter of Philippians in a moment. But Paul is saying, I'm trained in all this. I've been through, I've done all this. I know what it's like. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to be in overwhelming abundance. I know what it feels like when I don't have anything. But I know what to do, and I've been trained in it. <laughs> and I think in that point, we can look to hate. I know what to expect. I know what to expect. So Philippians 1 
verses 19 and 20 in the King James says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Now he said this in the King James. It says, according to my earnest expectation. Now at this point in his life, Paul was, he was in prison. He went through a Roman trial. He had a death sentence hanging over his head. Yet he said, but I know this shall turn to my salvation according to what? My earnest expectation. And so we have to understand what role expectation has and takes in our life. What role, what role does that have in us and in what we're doing? And, and, and that expectation has weight on how to be content in whatever state we're in. Depending on what you're expecting. You know, if you expected it to continue to be bad and everything's going to be bad and it's ever going to be bad and it's never going to be good, you can't be content in whatever state you're in. We need to learn how to gracefully wait till God's word is performed in our life. But I don't like to wait. It's part of what you do. You know, you know what? When we have a big example of waiting, make an appointment somewhere. Get there 15 minutes early, but how long are you going to wait? <laughs> Minimum of 45 minutes, right? Get there 15 minutes early so we can be ready for you, but... And if you get there late, they charge you. <laughs> can you be content in the state of waiting? In the Strong's Concordance, it, it says this, that the earnest expectation means intense anticipation. Intense anticipation. See, Paul was content where he was because he was intensely anticipating salvation. I mean, that was his earnest expectation. You know, no matter what happens, death nor life, I'm getting out of here, guys, and I'm getting out of here good, and I'm going to be good. Amen? That's what salvation brings to us. That's what the expectation we should have. And he, he anticipated salvation for his circumstances. And he went on to say in there that he... Um, it was his earnest expectation that in nothing would he be ashamed. 
Think about, why, why would he say in nothing? What would that mean? In other words, he won't be ashamed in anything that happens to him. If it's failing, if it's whatever, I won't be ashamed. Because I have earnest expectation of what God's going to do. And Paul, we'll go into that in a minute, but Paul knew what was, he knew that he was going forward because he had a calling and a purpose. And we all know we have a calling and a purpose. And see, we, we can't give up and we can't stop and we can't, just because we run into a bump in the road don't mean we stop. And that word, intense, intense, I'll give you a definition of anticipation. The act of looking forward, especially pleasurable expectation. This is straight out of the Webster. He's looking at pleasurable expectation. It's the visualization of a future event or state. Paul could see, he had vision. He could see in his mind's eye what was going to happen. And that's what he was focusing on, not what was going on right now. You know, God's had me in this little vein of kind of in different ways talking about keeping your eyes on him, keeping your eyes on him. And, you know, there's so much that goes on around us. And if we don't have that earnest expectation, if we're not able to look on him and say, you know what? I don't care what happens. I'm not going to be ashamed. And I want to read this in using intense anticipation. I am absolutely, this is Paul said, I am absolutely confident. I earnestly expect I intensely anticipate that in nothing shall I be ashamed. That's a lot of intense words, right? And even if it's death as well as life, my life will glorify God. He said, I'm going to glorify God in life or I'm going to glorify him in death. No matter what, I will be glorifying God. You know, God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. No matter what place or situation you're in, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. If somebody leaves, it'll be you. If somebody turns their back, it'll be you. If somebody walks away, it'll be you. It won't be him because he doesn't do that. He said he made a promise. See, we need, to, we need to focus our expectation, our intense anticipation in the fact that our situation is going to turn around tomorrow. But what if it doesn't? You get yourself back up, you build yourself back up, and you anticipate your deliverance the next day or, or whenever. 
You don't back off of the fact that you know that God's going to bring you through to a place. Because, see, I believe that God has a purpose for our lives. And if we will intensely anticipate it, if we will stay in his word, if we will keep doing what he's called us to do, he's going to bring us to that place. Paul went to the point in his life where he said, okay, I've done what I'm supposed to do, so I'm ready to go whenever. You know, did he go out quietly? No, it wasn't a great outgoing, what we would think of. But you know what? When you know Jesus, it doesn't matter. When you know where you're going, it doesn't matter. You go out. There used to be a song going out with a blaze of glory or something like that. You just keep building that up. You know, this, that's, that's what the fight of faith is all about. It's all about keeping on, keeping on, keeping on when you, you feel like you can't or when things aren't going so great. I anticipate God's deliverance. I anticipate God's grace, God's mercy to be operating in my life. Amen? God has purpose for us. You know what? Why should I have expectation? Because expectation makes you feel content in whatever state you're in. When you anticipate what God's going to do and you know what he said, you know what his word said, you know that no matter what happens, he's on my side, he's for me, he's with me, he won't forsake me. You can be content in whatever place you're at. Whatever state you're in. See, expectation is one of the ways you become content while you're waiting. Because you know God's going to do something. And if, 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 how can you lose? If you go home to be with him, how can you lose? You can't. We don't lose. We may fight battles that, ain't, that aren't great. See, when you anticipate, intensely anticipate, when your expectation is on God, is on Christ, it can make every day more enjoyable. You say, what? You don't know what I'm going through. But it's, the joy isn't in the circumstance, right? The joy isn't in what you're doing. The joy is in Him. In Christ. The joy of the Lord is what? My strength. When we can get joyous in the Lord, we can go through it. We have the strength in our hearts, in our lives. You know, expectation, it's, it's, it's an um, extension of your faith. But you know what? Expectation isn't automatic. It doesn't just happen. It happens when your faith is placed in the Word of God and when you believe that God's Word is true. And it said, He says the truth. And what He says is true. So we have to personalize it. You know that? It's for me. It's not just for... Betty or Ray or, or, or Chad or James or anybody. It's for me. He did all this for me too. 
And his word is true for me. We have to realize that. We have to personalize it. We have to make sure we realize on the inside of us, in our heart, and our mind, that it, he loves us. And he did it for us. So whatever state we're in, we can be content. We can be content in the waiting. You know, and, and you know, we talk about it a lot, but in this day and time, waiting is tough. Because we don't want to wait, right? In the last couple of years, things have changed. Fast food has gotten to be slow food. Right? You pull into the little thing and you want to get you something just to run down the road and you're sitting. Nobody's asked you about your food yet. You know what? It makes it hard. The other morning I stopped somewhere to, to, to grab a biscuit or something, whatever I got. And I pull up. There's two drive through things, you know. And I pull up to this one and I'm sitting there for a little bit. And another car pulls up at the other one and they ask them for their order. I'm here, buddy. Right after they got mine, I thought, you know what? I'm choose to be patient. I'm not going to say anything. I told them to have a good day and a blessed day. And, and, and it, it was great. I got what I was looking for. I just didn't get it quick as I thought I wanted it. Because, you know, when you come in here to the church, when preschool's in session, you got to get here before 9, like 10 or 15 minutes before 9, or you can't park. You can, but you got to park way over somewhere. Because <laughs> they're just lined up letting them little kitties off. And every once in a while, somebody would be nice. And let you pull in and park. So we got to be content in whatever state we're in. And so this expectation we're talking about, it comes when you believe again that God's word is his will for you. God's word is personalizing it, as I said. You know, um, a lot of times what we have to overcome, especially when we first accept Christ, is we have to overcome the, 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 the labor or the, the hard part of thinking that we're not worthy to receive anything from God, which is true in ourselves and in our flesh, we're not. But because of Jesus Christ, guess what? We can receive his word. His word is for us. He lives in us. And it's hard to personalize that sometimes till you get over to that place where the spirit man inside of me because of what Jesus did, makes me worthy to receive what he's given me. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying that we're worthy because we're worthy. We're only worthy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And guys, this is, one of, this is how we walk our faith out. Knowing that his word is for me. It's for everybody that will accept it. But his word is for me. He keeps working inside of me. He keeps um, changing me from day to day. The words, it's from glory to glory, from place to place, until I get more and more and closer to what... See, the, the more we walk out our faith, the more that we learn to expect what God has for us, the more we learn to in, intently anticipate what he's doing in us and through us, then... The stronger our faith gets, the stronger that our faith gets, the stronger that we believe what he says. You know, when you, um, 
Anything that you do, just take driving a car, for example. When you first start driving a car, are you great at it? No. No. And, you, you know, it's funny these days. I learned on a straight drive, on the column, guys that don't know what that stick shifts down here, straight drive is on the column. Reverse, first, second, and third. That's the way it was. And they even had that you had to hold the accelerator and the starter button on the floor at the same time to crank it. <laughs> you did. And you had to put your foot on the clutch, put your foot on that, and put your foot over there and, <laughs> and hope it cranked up. And if you needed choking, you had to reach and grab this button and pull it out, and it choked. Now, I started driving when I was 12. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Got my license. You know, I was getting ready to get my... my my brother was talking about the other day. I was getting ready. I probably shared this before, and some of you will remember. But at 14, you could get your driver's license in South Carolina. I was two weeks out from getting my driver's license, and they changed it to 15. You think I was a happy little child? No, I wasn't. I was all ready to go. I was all ready to be driving without having to be concerned about getting stopped. <laughs> you know what it took me a while but I learned you know when you first start learning to drive a straight drive you remember the jerking that goes on it chokes down three or four times and all that good stuff and you end up getting it in the wrong gear in a high gear and it, it won't ever start off hardly and it's funny now I can go through I mean I don't like to go through many car washes with my Camaro but I'll do it every once in a while and when I do a lot of the times, the guy will come out there and he said, oh, I'll be back. And he has to go get the manager because he don't know how to drive it through it. <laughs> he don't know how to drive it straight. A lot of people don't because you don't have to have one these days. Anyway, where was I at? But anyway, it's, it's, it's that learning process. It's, and then we finally get to, well, we don't even remember changing the gears, right? And when I'm driving in, in my car now, you know, you gear down. Because if you got automatic, the transmission does it for you. And, 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 and you just, and like, how do you know where to put it? You just know, you feel it, right? You know exactly, oh, it's, I better get down in another gear. So we, we learn that way. <clears throat> Proverbs 23, 18 says this in the King James start. It says, for surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Your expectation will not be cut off. The passion says it this way. Your future is bright and filled with a living hope that will never fade away. There's an end to whatever adversity you're presently finding yourself in. In other words, there's, your expectation is not going to be, it's not going to be cut off. Keep that in front of you. Keep that expectation in front of you. And, you know, this into <clears throat> this adversity can be two different things. It can be the end of your life, no more adversity, or the end of the battle that you're in. We all go through battles. Or the end of the challenge that you're in, the, the thing that you're going up against is so hard. It seems so tough. Or whatever it is you're trying to overcome says it won't be cut off there's going to be an end to it amen 
See, there's, there is a um, consequence that goes with that end. You say, well, what do you mean? What are you expecting? Do you know whatever you're expecting, that's really probably what you're going to get? If you're expecting it to always be bad, you're going to get bad. If you're expecting it to never get good, you're expecting nothing good to ever happen in your life, you're expecting not to see your, your purpose in life that God has given you fulfilled, that's probably what you'll get. Because see, your mind, the spirit man, we have to learn to train it to, to, to change our mind and to make our mind think like the word thinks as we can go forward. You know, and there's so many people, and even Christians, they always expect the worst. Always. Well, well, you know, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. There's going to be a layoff, and I'm going to be the first one. And you may very well be, but don't expect it. And if you are, God's got another place for you. So the Bible says that we just read that your expectation will not be cut off. In other words, whatever you're expecting, that's probably what's going to happen. See, there are two types of expectation. There's negative and positive. And usually negative is most of the time rooted in past experience. Well, that's what always happens. That's what has happened in the past. Well, I want to say if we will trust God and get in his word and allow his word to work in us, we can change some of those experiences, right? We can see God change them in our lives. A lot of negative expectation, it's... it's um, It's a, it's, it's a lot of times produced by past disappointments. Well, that's what happened. You know, if I went by past disappointments, I would quit. A lot of times. I would quit or I would want to quit. Because, well, you know, this happened. And that happened. And I thought this was going to happen. But that happened. You can't quit. You know, it's just that way in life. It's that way in God. It's that way in business. I know people that sometimes you think they about should have quit because of past experiences, but they don't. They go forward. I think that what you can do with those past experiences, they they can train you just like Paul said. So you know what to do. I know I'm doing that now. I know what I did last time and I ain't going to do it again. Right? I'm not going to do that that way again because I know what I need to do now. In ministry, in business, in personal life, and whatever it is. So we, we don't need to, to let our expectation be in the past of what happened in the past or what might have happened. Then there's positive expectation. And that is cultivated or produced by what 
Whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're expecting, whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're dwelling on. We need to have an expectation of God's word manifested in our lives. You know, we, um, and I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about grounded in the word. I'm talking about you having this positive attitude and this positive expectation because of what God's word says about you. He says in Psalms, God said, I formed you, the intricate parts of you in the womb. And I have a purpose for you. So I made, God made you the way you are so that you could minister to people that will receive you because of the way you are. Do you know that? You can minister to people that are like you sometimes. So our, our positive expectation is about what we're focusing on. What do we think about? You know what? There's times in my life when I said, Lord, I, I don't know what to do, and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm praying and asking you, and I'm dwelling on what your word says, and I'm going to do what you say to do. No matter what. I'm going to do it the way you said to do it. God can give you wisdom beyond your training, beyond your years. He can give you hope and peace. So we need to be, have positive expectation. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 and 18. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. In other words, you're going through some trials and stuff, and they're, they're just, he, Paul says they're small. And I think about the things Paul was going through. I don't consider that too small. But he said they're small. But they produce a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen in the natural. It can't be seen. God's manifestation in your life can't be seen in the flesh. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. The things in heaven will last forever. The things in eternity will last forever. We can't see that now. So that's why he said these things we're looking at now, they're just small. Because they're only going to last a few years. They're only going to last a while. He said, well, it's been going on for 30 years. That's a few years when you think of eternity. When Ray and I are still kicking at 100 years old, that's going to be a little bit of time. <laughs> Compared to eternity. And that eternity part is going to be awesome because we're going to be living without all these trials and tribulations and small things. That's something to be positive about, right? That's something to, to be, have an expectation. So what do we have to do in all this? We have to 
to able to turn around those negative expectations, change your focus. Change what you're focusing on. Don't focus on um, those light afflictions. You know, in, in King James, they're light afflictions, but just for a moment. And I know when you're in the middle of it, it don't seem too light. You know, have you ever done something and you thought, man, this is really tough and this is just hard. And then you go to something else and you're like, well, that wasn't nothing. Right? That wasn't, I mean, good grief. I don't know if the grief could be good, but. So the things that we, the things we see here on earth, the problems we have, the situations, the circumstances, they're temporal. They're light. Compared to the things that we can't see. You know, if nothing else, you just keep thinking about, man, one day. These things will be gone. And some of them in this life and some of them in the next life. So Paul attributes his contentment to expectation. So expectation enables you to be content. If you are focusing on the right thing, there, 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 there are... Um, there's two realms of truth. There's the temporal and there's the spiritual. Temporal are the things on this earth. So there are two realms of, realms of truth. And temporal things, are, it's um, truth is based on what we perceive, we observe, and experiment in the temporal. Experimentation, you might say. Um, but you can't look on that, what's going on right now, those temporal things, those light afflictions, as Paul said. And the word look, it means, it means uh, whatever, to spy out, to study, to con closely consider. So don't, spy, don't, don't focus and spy out and consider negative circumstances. Don't just keep your mind filled with that because you can't go forward when you're under that. It's like being under this weighty cloud thing that pulls you down because you can't see past it. But when you begin to focus on the things of God and focus on Him and His Spirit and what He's doing, then you begin to see those things. It's kind of like the cloud. You know when you're in a, you know when you're driving. And you've been in this rain, and all of a sudden you see up ahead, you, you get past that front, they call it, and there's the clouds opening up and the sky. That, and you start focusing on that. You know what? It's pouring down rain here, but I can see up there, there's some daylight. There's some sunshine. And I can't wait to get there. And I'm going to be there in just a little bit. And... So in saying this, it doesn't mean that we don't have to take responsibility for the natural arena we're living in. We do, right? That don't mean we just, well, we don't have to worry. What I'm saying is just don't be focused on it. 
Don't let that be your main focus. Have an expectation out there of what God is going to do in your life. You still have to take care of what you got to take care of, right? You still got to do that. Doesn't mean you're not responsible. And you know what? Anything you see, taste, or feel is subject to change. Right? The weather can change. You can taste something one day and the next day it don't taste good. Because somebody else cooked it and they didn't cook it the way you liked it. Your feelings can change overnight in a few minutes. Right? And if you live off of your feelings, you're going to be in some more kind of trouble because you're going to be like a yo-yo. Up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. And that'll tire you out. You know what? It'll make you very tired. So what we have to do is embrace the spiritual part of our life. The unseen realm. The realm of the spirit. God is, is, has the realm of the spirit for a purpose. For us to, to, to pull from. The whole Bible is it's, it's a revelation of the unseen realm. It's telling us this is what you do. This is what there's, there's something in the word for everything you're going through. Every place you go and every place you've been and how to do it. It's in the word. Everything is a part of that. God and the devil and um, life and death, that's all part of the unseen realm. And what we got to realize, I think, sometimes is that unseen realm is not a million miles away. It's all around us. That spiritual realm is all around us, and it, it, we're, we're in the midst of it. And there, God's word is full of truth that never changes. It's true now. It was true when he created the heavens and earth, and it'll be true through eternity. So we have to look at what God has to do. We need to be thinking on God's word all the time. And when we're thinking on God's word, it's like looking at the spiritual realm. It's like, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the word. I'm looking at the spiritual realm. I'm focusing on that unseen realm. So what's the thing? Fill your mind with the word of God. Fill your mind with the word of God. Not with Everything else. You know what? There's nothing worse, I would think, because I don't do this because I hardly ever watch the news anymore, but to have a, you know, just be out in the middle of something, have a crazy tough day and turn the news on, that won't be good for you, I don't think, because there's not hardly any good news anymore, right? Get in God's Word. So once you can get your mind off the circumstances and what's going on, get your mind in the Word. You come home from all that mess and like, I got to clear my mind. Well, the way you need to clear your mind is to meditate on God's Word, not other stuff.
that won't build you up, that will make you worse. Because there's so much going out there. If you, if you look at it, you're going to be like, well, it's going to be worse tomorrow. It's just like if you have money invested in the stock market, they say, do not look at that. Because if you look at it every day, you're going to be up and down like a yo-yo. Oh, I made of a dollar. Well, I just lost 100. <laughs> and so you got to keep your mind off of it. So we have to fill our mind with the Word of God. We have to fill our mind with His Word. <clears throat> you know what? If we can do that, it, it, that will, unless, it will lessen the intensity of our circumstances. And we can enjoy life while we're waiting. Right? We can enjoy life while we're waiting. Because we know that God's word, he's taken us somewhere. God's, the Lord is taking you somewhere. He's taking you somewhere. And where that is, only you can know. You're the only one who knows where God has taken you. The path there, you might have to walk on water. You might have to do all kinds of things. But the path there is not what you focus on. It's the end result. It's where he's taken you that you focus on. You know what? He's taken me to a life with him. And I'm, ex I'm excited about that. So I want to give you this one last statement, then I'm going to read some scripture to you. Positive expectation enables you to be content with today and helps you to wait gracefully. See, the world doesn't really understand waiting gracefully. You got to either wait mad or fidgety or sadly or whatever. I want to read this scripture to you um, in two different versions. You know, I um, think about all that God has in store for me and the path that I have went through and the path that I'm going through. Amen to get there. So I'm reading Philippians one again, 19 through 26. And I'm going to read it first in the New Living, and then I'll read it to you in the Passion. Verse 19 says, For I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. So guys, be praying for me. It's going to lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I must, and I, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. How can that be? Dying is better, guys. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. <laughs> I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and, and to be with Christ, which would be far better for me. Paul's not thinking about himself right now. He's thinking about others. He's thinking about these that God has given him the, the, the in oversight over. He's thinking about them. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, 
I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. So Paul's like, my expectation, I'm going to be with you again. I'm not, I'm not checking out yet because I got more to do. Amen? So I want to read it in the Passion. Verse 19, every godly one receives even more than what they ask for. For you hear what their hearts is really long, really, what their hearts really long for, and you bring them your saving strength. God, you watch carefully over all your devoted lovers like a bodyguard, but you will destroy the ungodly. I will praise you, Lord. Let everyone I'm in the wrong thing. Sorry. I'm like, this don't sound right. I'm sorry, I hit Psalms instead of Philippians. Y'all forgive me. Which that wasn't a bad thing to, to listen to. <laughs> okay, here we go. Because I know that the lavish supply of the Spirit of Jesus, the anointing one in your intercession for me, will bring about my deliverance. No matter what, I will continue to hope and passionately cling to Christ so that he will be openly revealed through me before everyone's eyes. So I will not be ashamed. In my life or in my death, Christ will be magnified in me. My true life is the anointed one, and dying means gaining more of him. So here's my dilemma. Each day I live means bearing more fruit in my ministry, yet I fervently long to be liberated from this body and join fully to Christ. You know, Paul had reason to be liberated from his body, especially during this particular time. That would suit me fine, but the greatest advantage to you would be that I remain alive. So you can see why I'm torn between the two. I don't know which I prefer. Yet deep in my heart, I'm confident that I will be spared so that I can add to your joy and further strengthen and mature your faith. When I'm freed to come to you, my deliverance will give you a reason to boast even more in Christ. He says, I'm getting out of this prison, and I'm coming to you, and there's going to be reason to boast. You know, in the message, it says this, just this one little phrase. It says, I love this because this should be our heart. It says, they didn't shut me up. They gave me a platform. <laughs> Woo! Think about that. They didn't shut me up. They gave me a platform. They gave me something to stand on. They gave me a reason to shout. They gave me a reason to preach the gospel even more than I had. They gave me a platform. I could take this experience I'm having, and it's a platform, and I can share it with others and share what Christ is doing and has done in my life. Amen? That was a weak amen, guys. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, amen means so be it. Amen. So be it. Hallelujah. You know, I am I'm so grateful for Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to serve him and to serve him in ways I never imagined that I would. You know, you take a, a little country boy like me and pull me out of the country <laughs> and you go who would have thunk and I have friends of mine that when they find out do, you do what you're a pastor oh my goodness 
But you know what? We do what God has called us to do. He doesn't care where you came from or where you've been or anything else. <laughs> but I thank God this morning. Let's, let's just, would y'all stand this morning and, and I want to pray with you. And then at the end of my prayer, I'm going to ask Erica to come up. We're going to pray for her. She wants to stand in for one of her friends. Um, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. For your word and your truth and your Holy Spirit and your anointing and your power in our lives, we thank you, God, that we come to you. And, Lord, that we don't have to focus. Our expectation is in you, not on this earth, not on the things that we can or cannot do. But our expectation is in the fact that you have given us a purpose. And our expectation is on you. And it comes through us and blessing you and blessing your word and staying in your word. Father God, we thank you so much for your anointing and your power. We thank you so much for your word. And I thank you so much for the love of Christ in each one of us. So, Father, we give you praise and we give you glory and we give you honor. And we thank you, Father God. I pray for every person in this room, Lord, that we would change our expectations to make sure they're on you all the time. And we give you all the praise and the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Erica, if you come forward. She has a friend. Her name is Darcy. Is that correct? And she has cancer. She had it and it came back. And so she asked, could she stand in prayer for her? So we're going to pray for her um, this morning. If you would stretch your hands out. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you this morning for... Erica, and we thank you for her faith in you. We thank you for Darcy, Lord. And we pray, God, that you would touch her life. Lord, I don't know where she's at spiritually, but you would touch her life, Father God. Lord, that you would touch her body and heal her body. And Father God, that she would be a testimony for you. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for Erica being testimony to her and being able to witness to her. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we stand in faith together, believing and receiving in Jesus' name.